at the final week of the NFL season. I personally think this year has actually gone by relatively quick. I, I think this was one of the better years of football that we've had. There's been a lot of parity as far as all these eight and eight teams that are still fighting for playoff spots, some that are crawling in, some that have fallen off after week 17. Um, all to be maybe overshadowed here for the next week by what happened in Cincinnati last night. But, um, you know, overall, I think this has been a fantastic NFL season. A lot of the teams that we thought were going to be there, especially in the AFC, are there, even Baltimore with an injured Lamar Jackson. And the NFC was a lot more wide open than you and I thought. You and I thought it was just Rams Packers, right? Beginning of the year, because they had the superstardom, they had the players, they had the quarterbacks. And I want to pat us on the back a little bit. I think we were a bit right there. Obviously, the Rams fell into this issue with all their injuries, um, and we underestimated all the young talent in Green Bay. But other than that, the other NFC teams have been so-so, right? I'll give the Eagles their flowers. I think they're much better with Hurts, but everyone has holes, and it is wide open. But what do you think about this year thus far? We'll get into, obviously, Week 18 and what we have coming up here. But um, what do you think is the season overall? It flew by. Well, you know, I think it flew by. We we see a lot on social media about how the last few years have, have gone by very quickly, but I, I think it's ultimately because we're all getting older. We're getting busier. You know, you and That's I talked true. off camera about how Christmas went and how it's more chaotic now as we're older. And it's like everything we do on a day-to-day to a week-to-week basis, we have so much more in our lives and so much more responsibility that come Sunday, it's gotten to us faster, right? I mean, by, before we even know it, it's Thursday night football. And then Sunday's over and we're back to the grind. And here we are 17, 18 weeks later, and it's been a quick season, but um, I, I just think, I think that's, you know, the perspective of time and looking at this season, I think it's been such a great season because we've had so many things that changed the course of what our expectations laid out for us. You know, you look at San Francisco, we had question marks about injuries. We had question marks about quarterback play. You know, they go out and they acquire Christian McCaffrey, right? There was a big boost after losing Trey Lance, probably for the best for that team, at least short term. Then Jimmy G goes out and Purdy steps in. You have question mark after question mark, but via a trade, they solidified essentially the game plan in that offense. They've risen to the top of the NFC with the Eagles there. Then you look at the Cowboys. You know, everyone has always said it's well, the Cowboys are the Cowboys. Well, the Cowboys continued to play good defense even after losing some key pieces, and they started to lead on Pollard a lot this season. Okay, they've had more success. Dak Prescott is healthy now. Okay, they are essentially where they should be. You look at the Eagles. You know, have probably gotten a couple really good breaks. Teams weren't able to, to game plan against Jalen Hurts the way they expected, as he's evolving as a quarterback. Um, but we know who the Eagles are now without him as well, right? You lose that star quarterback, that piece that holds everything together. And then you know, I think I could say the same thing for the AFC. You know, um, Bengals started a little bit slow, had terrible offensive line issues again, yet here they are at the top. Chiefs without Tyreek Hill have found a way to yet win and win and win. You still don't have that dominance because you don't have Tyreek there. Um, you know, Bills all season have been up and down, up and down. You look at Dig stat line over the last three or four weeks, hasn't been as involved as you expected. You can say the same thing with the Vikings. You take Justin Jefferson out of the equation, they're a very different football team. So all of the things I just talked about is the perception I have of the season, which is wide open. And I cannot remember the last season where I really looked at the NFL and said, 10 teams could win the Super Bowl. And I really legitimately feel like six to 10 teams this season have a shot of running the table. Um, and that's what it, this league should be. That's what every sports league should be. The narrative of like, let's just get to the playoffs, right? Like once we're there, anything can happen. In the last 10 years, we've had Peyton Manning, we've had Tom Brady, we've had Patrick Mahomes, you know, we've had these guys that it's almost a, a foregone conclusion that it'll be one of them in the Super Bowl. And this year, we can't say that. I think it's the best version of football you can have from a product perspective. Yeah, I actually completely agree with you. Um, and that gets me, that got me thinking a little bit to college this past weekend because we had the college football playoff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of talk around the expansion, right? And we're going to get to the expansion here in a couple of years. But to the point that you just said, if I think six to 10 of these teams that are going to be in the playoffs in the NFL can actually win the whole thing. I don't think that translates to college and I want the playoff the expansion. Excuse me. I want more teams to be in it, to have the shot, to get an upset. But I think what inevitably is going to happen 
it's the same four teams are going to keep continuing to make it. We're always going to see Ohio State. We're always going to see Alabama. Now we're always going to see Georgia. Michigan will hang out around there too, right? A team from the Big 12, whether it's Oklahoma, TCU this year, will be there. And then if Lincoln Riley stays and builds up his program, it'll probably be USC now out of the Big 10. And then even though you got a two-lane beating USC this weekend, even though you get Penn State beating Utah, and some of these small teams, I think at the end of the day, when the cream rises to the top, like it's going to be the same four in the final four, right? Whereas in the NFL, like we talked about this, I, I legit think the Jags with the right matchups at the right time on the right day, they might go to the AFC championship this year. They might go to the Super Bowl. Like, I don't think that's a crazy statement. We're going to get to that game here in a little bit. That's the big Saturday night showdown. But I think Lawrence and that defense are playing good enough to go on a run. I think the Chiefs have enough holes in their team right now where they could get beat on any given Sunday against a really good team, just like last year, you know? And then we've got the Niners, who I think are by far the best team in the NFC, has a rookie quarterback, Mr. Irrelevant. Anything could happen. Um, It's just a huge difference with the NFL and college. And I don't know, it just got me thinking. It makes me a little nervous about the expansion. And it'll be fun, but I think inevitably it's always the best most talented teams which is why college and the nfl are different but yeah that's my little rant well and you bring that up it kind of brings like um an understanding that i think i've taken this season in college football and something i wanted to bring up actually which is i didn't necessarily understand what the nit deals were going to do to the college football landscape originally i thought what they were going to do the nil the nil thank you um, I thought they were going to elevate the Alabamas and the Clemsons and the Georgias even more than they already have. And okay, these these teams and these boosters already are paying their players probably, or you know, at least have the money to pay them now. And we're just going to see the gauntlet of the Alabamas and the you know the aforementioned teams run run every year. But I'm honestly starting to see a little bit of a difference. I think what we'll see over the next 10, 20 years, if this has continued to be allowed is some of these high-end athletes stolen away from those teams mm-hmm. because other teams have the money to pay three, four, five guys or have the boosters that are willing to come out and say, okay, we're going to get you a car dealership for a million dollars, you know, like the kid from Texas got when he was at Ohio State and was right. there for one year, even though he got a million-dollar deal to, you know, sell trucks. Um, and I think that might actually allow for some more disparity in the playoffs because, if Alabama doesn't have an entire full unit of all five stars and they only have 80% of their team at five star, four stars, they could get beat any day. You know, like I know they're a great team, but we just saw it with TCU and Michigan. TCU beat Michigan and it was a good game, but like I, I bet you Michigan probably wins that game if they have a couple more guys out there. Um, and it's just something because I don't watch a lot of college football that I'll be curious to follow as I hopefully get into watching more of it, which is just more teams having the ability to go out there and actually win a ball game against one of these teams. Because in the last 10 years, you face up against Alabama or Clemson, now Georgia, you're not winning, right? Like they're going to get maybe one loss a year and it's going to be possibly a fluke loss. Um, and I hope to see more competitiveness where you do go into the playoffs and say, okay, well, we do expect it to be one of the four big dogs that you mentioned, but one of the four, two of the four, three of the four could be knocked off by a TCU because TCU has this five star that's just absolutely incredible, you know. And I, I think it's better for the sport. The sport is also evolving, you know, from the transfer protocol that I think is a little bit wonky right now. Like, there's a lot of moving pieces that have to really um, shake themselves out before I think we get college football where it needs to be again. Yeah, and you make a lot of. I'll make a lot of good points there um, to your thing about TCU, right? And we'll get into the draft series. They have the best receiver in the country, right? We'll get, we'll get to him when the time comes in the off season to go over receivers. So that helps, right? Mm-hmm. He had a, he caught a five yard pass and took it for 70, which ended up winning the game against Michigan. Um, and, so, and so, yes, you will get some of that. And it'll be interesting to see what a guy like Deion Sanders does at Colorado, right? Yeah. He's already pulled multiple five-star recruits there. Are they going to bring the Pac-12 back to life now that USC and UCLA are going to be gone after next, next season because it's just going to be Boulder, Utah, and Oregon? That's pretty much going to be the heavy hitters in the Pac-12. Will they get moved down into the ranks of like the Mountain West or some of these lower conferences? Because, frankly, that's just not going to cut it. 
right? Like at the end of the day. And I think the bigger problem than the NIL and how they should be using NIL somehow is to incentivize these kids to play the bowl games and to play in the playoff games because that's the big issue college has right now. And it showed pros, a lot of pros this past weekend with guys like Bryce Young, our our top two prospects coming out this year. Bryce Young and CJ Stroud both played in their game. Now, CJ Stroud was playing for a national title. They played Georgia, so they had a chance to go to the national championship. But Bryce Young had no reason to play, really. You know, he had everything to lose, not much to gain. Now, he gained more than I thought he could have because he absolutely tore it up killed it played amazing and just increased his draft stock and then later that night or the next day excuse me cj stroud tears up georgia and you know probably is going to be the number one pick now because he i don't even know what his stat line was matt but it's the best i ever seen him play and i haven't seen anyone do that to a georgia defense before so um you know it, to show those performances in those big bowl games are what push guys to number one number two in the draft right but at the same time there's so many case studies and stories of guys tearing the acl blowing in achilles crazy stuff happening in these bowl games which are kind of pointless besides the competition and tradition of the bowl games that you see so many of these kids sitting out like you saw in the rose bowl game with penn state and utah um and various bowls throughout all bowl season which makes it irrelevant you know i think that's the biggest issue is how if we do go to expansion and we get this 12 team playoff do we get it to matter well, and you saw that from Will Levis from Kentucky. You know, you, we all know if you listen to this podcast how big of a fan I <laughs> am of that fans. kid. Um, he sat out, right? And, you know, you had certain people on Twitter criticizing him, and rightfully so. And But you look at Matt Corral last year, got hurt. It's like, yep. well, is Will Levis really going to risk that? I don't blame him. Um, what I, my fix would be, which be, which would be once expansion happens, you eliminate all other bowls. There's no point for him. I don't watch him. I'm sure people do. I'm sure people bet on him. I'm sure people love him. Yeah. Um, it's it's no longer like when we were kids when there's 20 bowls and everyone's out there playing and like the bowls are fun and it's a different they actually have meaning and value yeah, and pride yeah. behind them. Yeah. It's a different landscape now because of the monetization of of NCAA football, right? And I think the only reason to have a bowl game is if it actually matters, right? Because look at CJ Shroud. He's out there fighting for redemption after his loss to Michigan. You know, he's out there with a chip on his shoulder trying to will this team to victory. Um, you know, the injury to Marvin Harrison Jr., right? Completely changes the course of that game. But both him and Shroud had something to lose. Harrison's the one that gets the concussion, right? I mean, obviously, I know he's a sophomore, so he has to come back. But point being is like, this is a real meaningful game. Of course, you're out there. And I think expansion has to happen. And I think expansion needs to be as aggressive as possible because you need to eliminate the, all these other bowls. Because for the most part, bowls were around for the financial means of NCAA football. Like you made money off the bowls and off the television revenue. But right. It's like if less and less people are watching them, you are making less and less money. Eliminate them and push and funnel all of that money to playoff games that actually matter where the kids will be playing. Because, yeah, it matters for a national championship and they can elevate their draft stock just like Shroud and Young did. Um, so, yeah, I, I think a lot of changes have to happen in college football. I think what we're seeing right now is – a really messy foundation that needs to sure itself up quite a bit. And it's going to take time because it took time for the NIL to come up, come about. It took time for the transfer protocol to allow these kids to not sit out. Like everything we wanted happened all at once. And now we're left with the mess that is, you know, the tweaks that we wanted. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, you're hundred percent right. And I mean, when you just keep comparing it to college basketball, like that, that's what makes March madness. So sick is it's like, this is it. Now, I know basketball is different, but it's like, like you said, this is it. No one gives a fuck about the NIT tournament. Nobody does except for the DGENs that gamble on it. Literally, like that's it. You know, nobody else cares, but everyone cares about getting in the tournament. You play all season to get into the tournament. And if you can get that same type of intensity and pressure and hype around, you know, this 12 team playoff, 16 team playoff, whatever the number is that they decide on, I think that's a, a step in the right direction. I totally agree with you. Because well, well, why else would you play for another bowl? Why would you go play in the, you know, big dairy cheese bowl in Green Bay? You know, even yeah. if you're playing at Lambeau Field, like you're going to sit out if you're an NFL prospect. Well, and the other thing is the the amount of time in between the final, you know, the the um, 
conference championships, right? And what is the playoff? At this point, it's like three, four, five weeks. And yeah. it's unacceptable. I've completely lost all desire to have any interest in college football by the time bowl, bowl week or bowl, you know, month rolls around. And I think it's a really big opportunity for college football to, to take that away from the New Year's New Year's Eve concept and slide it back into. I mean, we're going to give these teams a week off, then we're going to start the playoff because we want to we want to do three rounds, we want to do four rounds, right? Well, and so that, we can and that third or fourth round could still be on New Year's Eve. You can still yes. have the Rose Bowl on January first. You can still play the yeah. Sugar Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl and all these other games on New Year's Eve or on New Year's Day, like. You can Correct. still make that happen. I mean, the NFL literally booted the Rose Bowl out of January 1st this year to January 2nd, which was mind-blowing to me, being from SoCal and being a big fan of the Rose Bowl myself. But you could make that happen. It's it's all about the dollar bills. And I think you hit the nail on the head saying the Bulls were initially about money. Now yep. they all got money, right? They all, as in like all these big-time programs, throw every conference champion in the playoff, Start it that week after, whether it's 12 or 16 seeds, the first two teams or first four teams can get a buy, whatever, and let's get it going. I agree because yeah. that's what they do in D- D2 football, D3 football. It's a either two or three week playoff, and I'm sure it makes that much more interesting. But now, once again, I don't watch that. I just know because Wisconsin Whitewater wins every year in D3 or wherever the hell they are. Well, and this is an issue I think we struggle with all over, not only in just sports, but in other, other markets as well. Um, you have contracts with like ESPN right. and you know the Big Ten Network and ABC and, and Fox, Fox. And, yeah. and it's like okay, well, I'm sure there are people much smarter than us sitting at a table that run you know NCAA football and saying the same things we are. But you know, you have the guy at the account at the end of the table that's saying, "Well, guys, you have a seven year deal with Fox. Nothing can be changed until that's over." You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right, sorry, right. like all, everything you just said is great, but you have to wait seven years, and then in yeah. five years, Fox is going to come to us. They're going to offer us $4 trillion to keep this going. And um, we're not turning that down. So <laughs> I, I really think that's right. what's gotten in the way of all of this for all of our lives because I used to love college Me football. Me too. And I don't anymore because it's not what it was when Brian Calhoun was destroying the Big Ten, right? Like it's it's a different, it's a different beast. And um it's money and money is, is money has ruined so many things. And I think I'm just going to kind of leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Okay. So week 18, here we are. We've got the, the week 18. While it is bittersweet. Q, what is that? Uh, big head toad and it's bittersweet. You know that song. Um, you get all the games on Sunday, right? So the red zone is going to be popping. But they did decide to put, I think, two games. It has. I'm on ESPN. It has Ravens Bengals TBD on Saturday, which yeah. I don't know if that means they'll be a ten or not. I don't know why that's TBD. Um, but anyways, you've got two, possibly three, really, really good games here on Saturday. Chiefs, Raiders, Titans, Jags, and then I'm assuming Ravens, Bengals. Once again, I'm a little confused on how that's set up here. Um, now, with everything that happened in Buffalo the other night, you know, we still don't know if the Bengals are getting a no contest, if they're getting a win, if they're what, what the deal is there which is why I think this game is a TBD because this could have been a game for the division, which would have been awesome. Now, I think the bigger story, if we, you know, somehow move on past what happened this past Monday night is how injured is Lamar? I don't know if you thought about this or not, Matt, but when he got hurt a month ago and it was, Hey, he might be able to play next week, might be able to play the week after that. Now I've heard conflicting reports that, he doesn't want to play with an e-brace and they said you should go out there with an e-brace and he's not a hundred percent and he's sitting out of practice because he doesn't have a contract. Right. Correct. And why would he go out there and risk an ACL or, you know, something serious to ruin his contract? I think he's more than proved his value to the team. No disrespect to Tyler Huntley, but he's, he's a, 
bad backup quarterback, to be blunt about it. Honestly, I've watched enough Ravens games. The Baltimore Ravens are the worst team in the NFL without Lamar Jackson. Point blank. They have no weapons. They have a terrible scheme. He's a dynamic playmaker, in my opinion, probably the sixth, seventh best quarterback in the league, maybe fifth. You know, he's right there. He's in the conversation and he's in the top 10. And I don't think Lamar's going to play the rest of the year, Matt. I think he's going to sit out. No, should he? I mean, when you're talking about the knee brace and where he's at and what he's gone through this year, it's reminded me a lot of what RG3 went through in Washington. Different case, different injury. But I'll never forget that season and him coming back with the brace on, taking the sack, tearing it again, you know, like uh, ending the dominance that his career could have been because he put it on the line for his team because he wanted to win a playoff game. And different case because he wasn't fighting for a contract. You know, like there are a lot of differences here. But Lamar comes back and gets tackled the wrong way or plants the wrong way, fields wet, whatever it might be, and tears out ACL. You're talking about franchise-altering play. Because they're going to sign Lamar. We know that. They're going to give him the check, and he's going to put whatever number he wants like they have to. They don't have a choice. But at this point, without a contract, it's best for him and the team not for him to play until he is fully healthy. Because the risk of damaging that knee is the risk of dam- like damaging the engine of a car. You know, it's Once it's right. damaged severely, it's over. Like You take away that playmaking ability that he has possibly. Um, and it's unfortunate because... This team could have offered the proper extension to him for the last two years, and they've chosen not to. And this team is horrendous. And the fact that they're even fighting for a playoff spot and in the playoffs, I think they're locked in, right? They're locked in the mm-hmm. playoffs. Yeah, they're in. Um, is is kind of disgraceful in a lot of ways because of what has happened with Lamar and the way that the team has played this season, the, the talent that they have. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't foresee Lamar Jackson coming back this season at least in the regular season, I could see him suiting up in the playoffs because I, yeah, I me do too. think he wants to win. Yeah, me too. I, I don't I don't foresee him playing, especially if they give the Bengals the win or no contest and this game becomes irrelevant. Like, yeah. what is the point? You know what I mean? Rest yeah. up, get him out there for the playoffs. I love Lamar. I love the Ravens. I hope he comes and plays, but just to speak on the Bengals before we move to these other games, I, uh, I'm going to die on this hill. This is my take. I think by far the Bengals are the best team in the AFC. Reason being, I just think they have the best offense. I think they have the best weapons, the best scoring possibility every single time they get the ball. I am putting my ticket in right now, barring injury. You know, if we'll retake this once the playoff starts, but I got the angle, uh, the Bengals coming out of the AFC. I think they're the best team. Yeah, and I, I was really hoping to see this game yesterday. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we haven't, we haven't brought it up. And all I'm going to say to our listeners is, we, you know, I think you and I are on the same page here. We're just not going to discuss what happened because it's not necessary. It's been talked about enough. It's really unfortunate. Um, but I was really excited for the Bengals' Bills because I thought the Bengals were going to come out and prove that to the AFC. And, hey, we're the dogs. We're out here. You're catching up with us now. You know, and, like, now we've put – now we have really put the, the foot on the gas – to show everyone that. And we unfortunately didn't get to see that because, you know, of, of the, the terrible accident. Um, but it, this Bengals team, this Bills team, like they're going to have that mental issue, I think, the rest of the season. But the the Bengals, fortunately, like they get to re kind of get themselves back in the zone this weekend by playing a meaningful game against Baltimore, possibly. Right. But also a competitive game against Baltimore. Um to hopefully get some of those cobwebs knocked off and get the rust knocked off after what happened and kind of get them ready for this playoff push, which I think is really, really important too. You know, you look back on all any sports issues that have gone on, and I think the first one being the 9-11 attacks when you look at baseball and the way that the New York teams were really affected by that from an emotional level. It happened just at the right time for baseball before the playoffs started where these teams got to get back to normal life and kind of got to recenter themselves. You know, we're at week 17 with this catastrophic issue that just happened on Monday. Like, there's not a lot of time for these teams to, like, shake it off and move forward as a team. Like, you have to move forward. And I think the Bengals are in a better position than the Bills are, especially with their matchup this week. 100%. I also think of uh, that Boston Marathon bombing as well with the Red Sox that year, too. Yeah, yeah, the other game Saturday, I'm going to skip over Chiefs Raiders. Um, We can talk a little bit about the Raiders once the offseason comes because, you know, we'll we'll discuss Carr and all that. But I did want to talk Titans Jaguars. So I don't know if you watched the game Thursday night. Seems like a freaking century ago after what happened Monday. 
Um, Josh Dobbs played against Dallas. He looked okay for Tennessee. He's going to get the go against Jacksonville and the Jags. Um, I said last week, I'm saying now again, I expect fully the Jaguars to win this game. And I honestly, depending on how the seeds will line up and who they have going first round, I expect the Jags to win a playoff game. Um, that's how highly I feel about this team and how hot they are right now. So I am very cautious about this because if we just date back one year, we felt the same way about Tennessee going into Jacksonville. You mean the Colts, the Colts, 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 sorry, Colts. Um, and it, and Carson Wentz went out there and lost him a game, you know, now that's the difference. I think that's the difference. Yeah. I think that's the difference. That is the difference in my opinion. Um, And Doug Peterson is the difference as well. I'll let you finish your thought though. Sorry. I just, I want to be cautious because if this were Malik Willis, I'd have no, I'd have, it'd be slam the door shut. It's over. Jacksonville wins. I think Dobbs might be just enough to make this game interesting. If Derrick Henry can absolutely die. Correct. You know, like if Henry can really get the wheels going, 20, 30 rushes, 150 yards, break a couple off, like allow Dobbs to just have to manage the game where where Lawrence has pressure on him. We could be talking about Jacksonville losing this game. Um, but I I don't think Dobbs is enough. And I feel like his overall track record shows you that he's going to make at least one mistake um, where Jacksonville, I think, with the momentum that they've had with Peterson as the coach, these teams are headed in an opposite directions. But I'm cautious about this game. Yeah, I'm cautious too. But I just, from what I saw in New York against the Jets, um, everything I've seen from them the past two weeks, I just think they've found their rhythm. They've hit their stride. They really know who they are as a football team. They've found their identity. Whereas Tennessee is just gasping for air. You know, they're just gasping for air. Say what you want about Tannehill. He's their guy. You know, like you and I don't like Tannehill. He's not that great, but he is their guy. And when you don't have your guy and you're picking up a guy off a practice squad a week and a half ago to come start because Malik Willis just isn't ready. You know, no disrespect to Malik. He's just not. He can't even throw for 100 yards. Um, it's just going to be tough. And if Tennessee gets thrown out of their rhythm, AKA playing with a lead leaning on Henry, I, I think it's going to be a route and I expect it. And I don't, I personally selfishly don't want the Titans to make the playoffs. Like that game with Tennessee in the playoffs, isn't going to be fun to watch. Like I want to see Lawrence. I want to see Peterson. I want to see ETN. They went to te- uh, Texans. They went to Houston, took care of business, played great last week, got out of there, not injured. Let's see them play at home. Let's see them clinch. I'm I'm stoked to watch that game. Yeah, and you know, I think we would say the same thing about Tampa Bay. Like, I'm not stoked to watch Tom Brady move into the playoffs mm. after the way that they've put their record together. I I feel that way. I feel that way yeah. about Tampa Bay. I think when you watch, and I'll say that because the NFC is a little different than the AFC. This Packers Lions game, I believe the Packers and the Lions are a better product and better put together football teams than Tampa Bay. I agree. And I think you take Tom Brady out of the equation there and just, you know, take the nameplate off his his back and just slap on there a Joe Smith, same number, same ability, everything. It's only because Tom Brady is the quarterback of that team that the league, the media feels like, oh, Tom could go out and steal a Super Bowl, right? Um, it Tom hasn't had a great season. He has had a very tumultuous year personally and professionally. And hands down, won that game for them last week. We, we willed them back with Mike Evans. But I'm definitely not looking forward to the product that Tampa Bay is going to put on the field in the playoffs because I feel like the Lions or the Packers would provide more of a more of a battle in a game. Um, but I also feel like what we're talking about here from the NFC is it, it's you know it, you're picking teams that I would much rather watch over the Titans. I think the Titans could be one of the worst football teams as well in the league because of the injury to Tannehill and because teams just know all they have to do is stop Henry. Yeah. And I just disagree with you just because we're at the point of, is he, he is Brady really going to do this again? You know, like, I don't think so. No, I, I just not. think I, no. the body of work from that team this year is they're just not the same. The first half against Carolina was ugly. They should have lost that game. 
And in in true Carolina and sadly Sam Darnold fashion, they just fumbled it and threw the game away to Tom Brady and Brady in true Brady fashion took advantage and won the game, right? Like that's just what he does. If you give him enough opportunities, he is going to make you pay. That's what makes him the best of all time, even at 500 years old or however old he is. Um, I want to see Brady in the playoffs. I want to see him lose in the playoffs. Okay, I mean we're we're in you know, agreement like, there. Like you, uh, I you, fully you agree. Say, you say take the nameplate off. Like I feel you, bro. But you take the nameplate off and talk about the worst team in the league. Tampa's right there. You know what I no, mean? No, I like I, so. I agree. You know they have one of the, they'll be similar to like the Denver Broncos, right? One of this super good defense, upper echelon, you know, players on the defensive side, but can't move the ball. That's Tampa. You know. And I just want to see what Brady brings to the table one last time. I truly believe this is really his last season. I don't see him coming back, even though there's rumors about um, New England and some other stuff. But I, uh, I want to see him in there. I, I, I think I selfishly just somehow, some way want to see Rodgers and Brady in the NFC Championship game. So in NFC Championship game again, so Rodgers can take one back from him after he stole that one in Green Bay a couple of years ago. That's not going to happen, but that that's that's my wishful thinking. Yeah, I mean, I think as it's set up right now or at least when I heard last it's Dallas heading into Tampa. Um Whew. they're going to eat him alive. I, you would I mean, think. He, he's going to retire half, at halftime. He's going to have can, 11 can Dak sacks. not turn over three can, can, can it, he not turn the ball over three times? This is a conversation I had with a coworker who's a big Buccaneers fan, and he is a Buccaneers fan. I always give people a hard time when they're you know rooting for a team that has the greatest player of all time on it because it's easy. Um, <laughs> but this team has not been the same since they won the Super Bowl, you know. And I and I say that from like an offense and a defense perspective, but more defensively, like the players and the personnel that they have on that defense should still be absolutely dominating in this league. White's not, you know. David's not, you know, Vita Vey is playing as hard as he can, but like, it's not enough. Like they've got some, inc- they've got some borderline hall of fame level players there, you know, and it's early in their careers. So I don't want to go out there and say, you know, absolutely. But this team is just not, they don't have the same intensity and whoever goes into the, in, into Tampa Bay in the playoffs is going to out intensify them. And that is no questions asked in my opinion. And that's why they're going to lose. Because we've seen it all season, just this lackluster performance. No one gives a shit. You know, people are missing tackles. People are missing blocks. Like, I thought the offensive line was one of their only weaknesses, and I thought maybe the cornerback position was the second. And it's been everything else that's been the problem. Yeah, um, I feel like the only team that would be less intense is Dallas. We'll get. We'll. we'll we can revisit this next week when the when the seating's out. Yes, honestly. Yes. Um, yes. The other so moving to Sunday, the the big game of the morning games. There's two, but the biggest one is Buffalo Patriots. Patriots yep. win and they're in. Believe that. Believe it or not, that team. Talk about another kind of bad eight and eight team. Win and they're in. Um, well, let's theorize if the league awards Cincinnati a victory and Buffalo a loss, right? Cincinnati plays first. Uh, no, they both play at 10. Oh, yeah, Cincinnati would technically play. And I guess they're both playing at Cincinnati 10. Cincinnati plays Saturday. I guess what I'm, my point that I'm getting to is here, like Buffalo would have nothing to play for possibly because Correct. Cincinnati would take the number one seed. Buffalo, even with a win and a Cincinnati win, like they'd have to hope that Cincinnati loses to Baltimore. But well, it doesn't with, matter. It's all it's all in the Chiefs. The Chiefs only have three losses. So and the Chiefs are the number Chiefs one. Chiefs have right. to lose to the Raiders. Oh, Correct. okay. All right. All right. All right. And they're the so first seeding the is weekend, one, two, so. three. Okay. Correct. Yeah, I mean, uh, I just I don't know where Buffalo's head's going to be at. I really don't. You know, like New England needs this game. Buffalo could be in shambles. Buffalo could come on and beat them by three, four touchdowns because it's an emotional game. I. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, I agree. I, I still think somehow, some way, Buff will pull it off. I just, I don't know. We'll we'll see. That one's going to be TBD. If if the if all the starters play, I think the Bills beat them no problem. They've kind of had the Patriots numbers, specifically Josh Allen. They could come out and play their hearts out. Who knows? I have no idea. Um, we're still, unfortunately, you and I record way too early <laughs> in the week for us to give an accurate prediction there. Um, since there's really no other big games that matter here. 
you know, to be honest, we'll get to the Packer game. Of course, I think we'll, we'll finish the pod with that, but you know, out of a lot of these teams that had big seasons here. So for example, and by big seasons, I mean, they overshot expectations. So, um, you know, like the jets, the dolphins, these guys are playing each other this weekend. Dolphins still have an outside chance of getting in, but moving forward, you know, what are your thoughts on the jets? What are your thoughts on the dolphins in, in the state of these teams? Um, you know, the next couple of years here. Well, I think really from the Dolphins' perspective, you just have to try and find a way for Tua's health to be number one priority. Um, Doing whatever you can by watching film and analyzing his game to see some of the things that may cause him to uh, cause cause the injury. You know, I said it to a buddy at work. I said, I don't know if it's a left-handed quarterback thing. Vic didn't have an issue, but the last name that rings a bell with me is is Steve Young, retired because of concussions. You know, Tua left-handed quarterback, like constantly getting whipped to the ground and having that head snap back. We don't see it with other quarterbacks. It's like, is it a left-handed quarterback thing? Is it just the style of play that he has? What is it? But whatever it is, you need to analyze it. You need to isolate it and you need to find a way to make sure his health is number one priority because that team, when he is healthy, is absolutely dangerous. And when he's not healthy, it looks like the second half of that Green Bay game where you're screwed. You're just absolutely screwed because when Brissett's in there, he's not able to make Waddle and Hill as amplified and as electric as they are with Tua. Tua is a much better quarterback, obviously. Um, not Brissett, Bridgewater, my apologies. Yeah. But but he is a top 15 quarterback and he's going to run this offense efficiently. He's going to lead them into playoff runs. He might even lead them to a Super Bowl, but you got to make sure he's healthy. And when you look at the track record this season, when they have Tua and when they don't have Tua, polar opposite teams. So Whatever needs to be done this offseason for his health needs to be number one priority. And then for the Jets, they need to really sit down and analyze the way they play call. I have a, uh, they, I have a question for you uh, for yep. the Jets to, to interrupt. So there's a couple names out there, right? I think the obvious need is quarterback, right? The Sauce Gardner is going to win Easy. Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, I think Garrett Wilson's right there for Offensive Player of the Year. Um, they're going to have another decent draft pick. And they've obviously nailed it in the draft here. So you've got the likes of Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, some of the veterans that are going to be out there. Um, who do you go for? Do you go for a veteran? Do you shoot your shot in the draft again with uh, Will Levitz, your guy, or one of these other kind of late round picks? Where, where would you do? What would you do if you were the New York Jets? Who would you go get at quarterback for next year? So I would shoot my shot fully. Um, there's rumors, obviously, that if the Bears have the number two pick that they're willing to trade because they have Justin Fields. Mm. And obviously Carolina wants to move up. If I'm the Jets, I trade whatever I have to to go out and get Bryce Young. Whatever I have to. Or Stroud, either one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I th- I think personally Stroud is a lock at number one. Um, after that performance. I think he's he has he's I didn't know this until last week, but Bryce Young is five eleven. Huge Correct. red flag. Would not make him my number one pick overall. No, no questions asked, wouldn't. Um, but at number two with his ability and what we've seen, I'd be comfortable with that. Um, and I think the Jets have to go out and m- mortgage their future on going and getting him. Because at this point, you have everything else. You have a decent offensive line. You have the running back of the future. You have your wide receiver course set. You have your defense almost set. You might need an, another edge rusher. You can probably sign a guy. You know, look at Zidarius over in Minnesota. It was basically just off the street and dominant. Um, you got to go get the quarterback. That means three first-round picks in two seconds, you know, four – you know, not four first round picks, but three and three might, I would do it, whatever it costs to move up to number two, I would go and do it. And then you have the other approach, which is just going and trading or signing Jimmy G who I think could be an incredible game manager. But then what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to revert right back to the Chad Pennington years. Um, maybe a little bit after Pennington when you had, um, Rivas Sanchez. Island and Antonio Cromartie. Yeah. Sanchez where it's like, okay, guys, like the defense has to win us the game. Um, but you're talking about having a dominant team with Brees Hall and possibly Bryce Young. Like you'd have two facets of football at all times for the next seven, eight, ten years with Gardner on the side. There's just so much opportunity and there's so little need now where I think you could mortgage the future. And if you're wrong, you were going to be fired anyways. So <laughs> go out there and play big. Okay. And that, that's, I guess you kind of answered. I was going to ask. So, like, why? Why, why, why go all in on one of these young guys rather than the veteran? Like, well, you know, what's you you think that risk is worth the reward there? Because the other thing with Jimmy, Matt, is you need a backup. 
because yeah, but that's the problem because he's proven is Mike White is that's just you're just gonna he you're gonna ride him as your backup and hopefully he wins you a couple games like. Well, I think at this point I look at it from like the general's manager's perspective of like will I will not be fired. You're constantly going to be trying to fill holes and, you know, have, you know, Jimmy's out this week. Okay. You know, what do we do in the off season? Cause Jimmy's not reliable. You're going to go through the same issue that San Francisco did. Derek Carr comes in. He's going to lose you football games. We Derek Carr is Derek Carr. Jimmy Garoppolo is Jimmy Garoppolo. We know what Bryce right. Young can be, which is a top 10 quarterback in this league, right? Top 15, probably no matter what that's going to score you enough points to beat other teams, which is all you have to do because you have such a dominant player on the defensive side of the ball and good players around him. You, you got to just go for it. Um, and I had said this, and this is a different team, but I had a conversation this week. If I'm the Bears, I don't trade out of that pick. I trade Justin Fields because I think Bryce Young is going to be better than Justin Fields. And that's a conversation for us to have come draft season. But the Bears shouldn't be looking at trading this pick. They should be looking at keeping it. The Jets could go out there and, you know, possibly get Justin Fields in that universe that I just spoke about. I'd also be totally okay with that if I were the Jets. Going to have to give up a lot, obviously, to get him. Another team that I thought did better than I anticipated. Two teams, actually. Where the Panthers and the Saints, they're playing each other this weekend. Now, obviously, the quarterback position is a big issue for both these teams, but I think Carolina is set up for more success here. Now, they knew, they do need to get a head coach that's solidified. I think the gentleman, I think Steve Wilkes is his name that's been coaching since rule got fired has been great. I wouldn't dislike them hiring him long-term. I think their young roster is set up for a better spot, but that NFC East uh, South, excuse me, is going to be wide open, you know, like it's there for the taking and believe it or not, Matt, I think they should get a real actual good coach and pair Darnold and DJ Moore. Because that connection between Sam Darnold and DJ Moore is top five connection worthy. Now, say what you want about Darnold. You and I are eh about him, but they're not going to be in a position to get one of these quarterbacks in the draft. And DJ Moore is a top, we'll say 15 receiver, maybe top 10 receiver in the league. You need to score points to win. You have a good defense. I think they roll with Darnold. I think they move forward with him and maybe a better younger coach that's proven in the NFL, not some college guy. Um, I think they might be the favorite to win next year if Brady's gone. Well, and this goes right back to what we just talked about with the Jets when I brought up the draft picks. We've seen through the, my 25 years of being an NFL fan and being a conscious human being where I can actually know what's going on, teams like the Browns and the Jets and the Rams, countless teams trade for that first overall pick or that second overall pick and you know mortgage their future and fail. And the teams that don't have a foundation of anything else around them, of course, that quarterback failed, right? Of course. Right. And I think the Panthers are in this predicament now where it's like we've been talking for two or three years about them drafting a high-level talent, but for somehow, some reason, they just continue to find ways to win more games than they should. And they're left with the Sam Darnolds and the Matt Corrals, right? And you know they have to trade Christian McCaffrey. I think it's time for them to do exactly what you said, which is just let's just commit to a, a tandem quarterback coach and build the foundation of this team. Defense is pretty good, right? You had Christian McCaffrey, you don't. You got a bunch of draft picks for him. Okay, use those to build the foundation. What they have in the backfield right now is more than good enough to go into next season and win that division. Like you just said, we have seen countless weeks where those two backs have put up great numbers together eliminated me from fantasy single-handedly yeah absolutely like they are they are more than usable and you have them on an absolute discount so there's money to be spent elsewhere i think leveraging the future by trading a hall of draft picks for a quarterback is a mistake because you bring bryce young in okay you got him but you have nothing to build around him now the jets are in the exact opposite position you're just bryce young away right correct so I agree with you. I think you. I think Darnold is probably, if I were to look at all the available quarterbacks, he probably is the one that I'm looking at. Like, okay, he might still be, might have the best future of the cars and the Garoppolo's and the Wentz's. And I want to say he's only like 24, dude. He's Maybe young. 25. He's, he's yeah. He's he's young. so raw, and he got dealt such a trash hand in New York, and got injured in Carolina. And let's be real, the Matt Rule experience 
obviously didn't work because he shows he's been showing flashes, man. He showed flashes in that first half, and then Tampa's D came alive and he made a stupid mistake like he always does. But like I'm saying, that D him and the DJ Moore, they have they have chemistry. And if you have an elite receiver with you, you can put up big, big numbers. Well, we also forget that for the first four games last year, they looked very, very good. He looked they did. good. You know, he didn't look top 10. He looked probably like top 20, but it was like, okay, so Sam Darnold can he play in the like NFL Gino as a starting Smith. quarterback. Yeah, like he's a, he's a serviceable starting quarterback that can be a playoff quarterback. They lost McCaffrey and the entire season imploded. So <laughs> right. I think he, like, again, I think he's the best option and pair him with Harbaugh. They're right, we saw Harbaugh talked with the owner today. Harbaugh's probably going there, um, and if not, it's going to be somebody else that's probably worthy of a coaching job. Because, yeah, yeah, if you're talking to Jim Harbaugh, you're you're looking at real candidates. Um, and I think I think you have to just roll the dice with him. And you know, if if he's bad, you start this train all over again in three years where you just tank. But you got to build the foundation and to your point of a dual threat with the quarterback and the wide receiver, that can be something and that can turn a bad quarterback into something special. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, it's time. Let's get to it. Your Detroit lions have gotten to a point where they potentially can be playing for a playoff spot. Now I'm, I'm at a mix. I'm mixed feelings about this, but I want Seattle to lose. I want the Sunday night to be, winning your in for Green Bay and for Detroit. So for the listeners, if you don't know, the Lions and the Packers are playing Sunday night. If Seattle beats the Rams, which they definitely should, but you never know the last week of the season, things happen. They're at home, six and a half point favorites. If Seattle beats the Rams, that automatically eliminates the Lions from the playoffs completely. Nothing the Lions can do besides play spoiler to Green Bay. So I'm truly, and I like Seattle, they've been good, and we don't like the Rams on this podcast, but I'm hoping the Rams win that game. And I hope we get to, what, 520, 5.15 uh, Pacific time where you and I live, and it's all or nothing. And I'll be drinking, I'll be nervous, I'll be texting you negatively at kickoff, as I normally do, and I want it to be all or nothing. Um, with that being said, You've got to be more scared than the uh, about the Lions than you were about the Vikings, yeah. Yes, um, yes. Now I think the Vikings are a better football team, um, but I think what I will circle right back around to, which is what I've talked about all year, momentum is to me as I'm getting older and I'm experiencing more and more of these seasons go by. It's the only thing that really matters at this time of the year. It's momentum. It is that the dog in you fighting for that playoff berth. And Minnesota didn't have a lot to play for last week. And the Lions and the right. Packers have everything to play for. And you have a young uh, young Lions team that I think is really bought into this swing of momentum. So I agree with you. I hope Seattle loses so that this can be an all like a winner you're in. And obviously I'm going to take the Packers as you know my home team and my favorite as in regards to who I'm rooting for. But I, I want to see the Lions if the Packers don't make it. And at the end of the day, though, I just think what Green Bay has been doing over the last three, four weeks, they're going to stifle this Lions team offensively. And the only way the Lions win this game is if Dan Campbell's offensive coordinator can pull these ridiculous plays out of his playbook that he's been doing for two years now and, you know, build the momentum in the game where Green Bay is coming from behind because that's that's what they're going to have to do. Yeah, I agree. Um, something that's really interesting about the Packers is the first time for the first time in the Aaron Rodgers era is we're getting hot at the right time, right? Outside of the year that they won the Super Bowl, the Packers are getting hot at the right time. But what's interesting about the Packers getting hot, in my opinion, is I think the defense is getting hot while the offense is still playing the same. The offense has shown flashes. We've seen the Christian Watson. You know, we've seen the Romeo Dobbs, we've seen Aaron Jones, but they're still terrible inside the 10 yard line. They're still going three and out after a big turnover. They're still settling for field goals while the defense has tightened it up. I think I heard they're plus 11 in their past four games in the turnover margin. We've got this kid returning kicks for touchdowns now on special teams. 
I think for the first time, the Packers are getting hot in this Aaron Rodgers era towards the end of the season, but it's not necessarily Aaron Rodgers in the offense. It's everyone else around him, which honestly might be the best thing that's happened for this team because it does eliminate a little bit of that pressure and it does eliminate a little bit of, you know, Hey, Rogers needs to do everything and the offense needs to score every single time. Now, do I like that? No. Do I wish they were more efficient inside the 10? Yes. But can Jair Alexander, Rasul Douglas and that pass rush slow down pretty much every NFC team after watching them against Miami? I'd say, yeah, I don't want to, I'm going to hold my my feelings towards this team until after this week. Uh, if they can beat the Lions, I'm going to go on record as saying this this could repeat 2011. Um, <laughs> 20, tw- no, but seriously, 2011, we had devastating injuries all over the place. I, I can't even list the names, but, you know, I Finley was – it was like 22 guys on IR. And it was like we, we limped into the playoffs. We were like, okay, you know, we got Rodgers. Jennings was still out there, obviously. Jordy was out there. Um, but we won the Super Bowl. And if you were to tell me that Eric Stokes and Rashawn Gary were out for the year, come week 18, I'd be like, oh, we're done. It doesn't matter how good Rodgers is. It doesn't matter how good, you know, Christian Watson turned out to be or Romeo Dobbs turned out to be. We're done. You know, lost our starting two corner. We lost our biggest pass rusher. Like, there's no chance. Like, there's absolutely no chance that Jair Alexander and Rasul Douglas can can hold up without those guys. And they're playing at an elite level as a defensive unit. And I'm shocked. And this past week against the Vikings was the first time I've watched Rodgers execute this offense like he did in previous years without Devontae. It was just surgical at times. You know, he was getting the cuts that he needed. The receivers were running the right routes. Timing was on. Everything just seemed to work. And it's like, it really took you guys 17 weeks to figure this out. But I think the key indicator that I saw in that game was Nixon's ability to put them in a field position where they didn't feel like their backs were up against the wall and where Rodgers just genuinely believed I can go down the field now because most of the season we're at the 10 yard line. We're at the 12 yard line, you know, like we got to go to 80 Rogers, yards. Amari Rodgers just fumbled and we gave up a touchdown. Yeah. And yes. Yeah. Like we we're we're not a great offense, but we've got Rodgers. And if you give us 60 yards to score, he's probably going to at least get 30 yards for Mason to run out there. Like, that's the difference in this team right now. And that's what we didn't have against the 49ers in the playoffs was Rodgers just executing what he needed to execute. We could make a run here, but I, again, I need to see what happens on Sunday. I need to see I agree what with this you. defense can do against the Lions because we have not seen them slow down momentum yet. You know, the Vikings, like it was a great game, played really well against the Eagles. Played good against the Bills. This is their moment to show us that we are elite. We can steal momentum, and no one can beat us if we have that mentality. Um, and this, I would say the same thing for Detroit. If Detroit can go into Green Bay and win, watch the watch fuck out, out for the Lions. Yeah, watch for out. Sure. All right, everyone. Well, happy Week 18. Happy New Year. It's 2023. We're here. Um, you can follow us on pit, at, on Twitter at Pitcher Bet Sports. On TikTok and Pitcher Bet Sports. We'll see you guys next week. Keep it real. Later.